Amen. As I said, today is a very special, special lesson because, and, and it, it's interesting because when I was looking at all of the pieces of armor, this was one of the ones that I expected to be the least impactful to me. Maybe it's because I like going barefoot. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, but I didn't have the expectancy of what came out when I did my study on this one. And I think you're going to find the same thing. What we're talking about today are shoes made ready by peace. And I want you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to pray as you're turning there. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open your word, God, this is a sanctified moment. And I pray that your Holy Spirit takes the words off these pages and interprets them to our heart. Lord, help us to see your kingdom this morning. Because as you say, that's what we're to seek after. Help us to see your kingdom in these pages, in these words. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and I pray that not a single word comes out of my mouth that is not of you, but that is fully directed and controlled by you. We worship you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 10 through 15. This is the passage that we've been going over the last few weeks, putting on the whole armor of God. And let's start with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, remember, we began this series a few weeks ago, and in the first week, we talked about real-world warfare, right? Okay? Understanding what the world was, what this warfare was that we were dealing with. It's not what we can see. It's not tangible that we can recognize unless we're thinking with kingdom thoughts, unless we see with kingdom eyes. You cannot see the warfare swirling around you without seeing them through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. You can't. That's what we talked about the first week, that what we are fighting is not a tangible thing, right? Second week, we talked about the belt of truth. This was the very first piece of armor that God had us put on. And that truth is the word of God. And just as a belt, that truth encircles us. It is the foundation of our armor. It is what we hang our utility needs off of, right? Our sword, our dagger, 
different things that we need hang off of this belt, this belt of truth. So just like a belt to a Roman soldier, the truth to a Christian is critical. You can't go into battle without it. If you go into battle without it, you're encumbered, you're ineffective, you're vulnerable. So we talked about the belt of truth. Last week, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, putting on that second piece of armor. We talked about how that covered the most important areas of our life, of our walk. It covered our hearts. That breastplate of righteousness was not our own righteousness, if you recall, but it was the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He was the one who came down to this earth, who died on the cross, who rose again, was risen by the Father, okay? who now sits at the right hand of the Father in his throne. It was his righteousness through fulfilling the law that became our righteousness. So when God the Father looks at us, he doesn't see our iniquity. He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our downfall. He doesn't see our incapability. All he sees is our capability. Because he sees us through Jesus Christ. He sees us as righteous. He sees us as perfect. The Father does. That's putting on the righteousness, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. We're putting on his righteousness, not our own. If you put on your own, arrows are going to get right through it. If we put on his righteousness, it's perfect. That's what we talked about last week. And by the way, I want to encourage you, if you missed any of those, we do have on the website all of the pod, uh, or all of the, uh, you can listen to the messages on the website. You can also download them. And believe it or not, we're even on iTunes now. <laughs> you can search Ignition Church or Greg Twiddell on iTunes, and we've got the entire podcast. If you missed either one of those three, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. This is critical. This is really, really important to get this. This is the foundation of the Christian walk. Because if you don't get your defense down first, you're in trouble. And when I played football, it it was always about get the defense going first. And the Broncos learned that last year in the Super Bowl, didn't they? (laughs) If you don't have defense, you're in trouble. If they have better defense, you're really in trouble. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the next piece of armor, which are shoes made ready by peace. Okay? What is the gospel of peace? What is that? You know, when we look at peace, we think of quietness. We think of people leaving me alone. Right? We think of away from it. When I think of peace, I picture myself up in the Colorado mountains with just myself or maybe one or two other people, maybe my wife and I, and just peace. Nothing going on. I see the most beautiful, you know, scenery that I can think of. That's peace to me. Okay, but that's not the peace that God's talking about. Because what he's saying is we're to have peace always. I'd like to say that I'm always in the mountains of Colorado. But I would dare say that I'm never in the mountains of Colorado anymore. But yet I'm to have peace, right? So is this peace this thing that... that we can think of in our mind? No. What is the gospel of peace? First, peace is not a lofty thought, but it's a tangible reality. 
It's not a lofty thought. It is a tangible reality. We can choose to give and remove our peace to others. This is a piece of a tangible thing. Because it's a tangible thing, we can give it to others. We can remove it from others. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 13, says this, and we have it on the board if, if that's easier for you. It says this, and if the house is worthy, this, this was when Christ was sending out the, the 12 disciples, okay, and he's telling them to go out um, into, into the areas and then they would go into a home, and, that, and that's at the point where we're at here. He says, if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy... Let your peace return to you. So this is a tangible thing. Turn to John chapter 14, 27, or you could see it up on the board here. This is another verse explaining that very thing, that this, this is a, a tangible, peace is a tangible thing. Peace I leave with you, verse 27. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let your hearts let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What Christ is saying there is, I give you my peace. So his peace is tangible. It's not something that we each just kind of generate ourselves. Okay? It is something that Christ gives to us. Now we could take it on or we cannot take it on, and that's why, that's why it talks about putting on the armor of God, putting on the shoes of peace. This is a piece that doesn't make sense. And many of you are going to know the next verse we're going to go to. Turn to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I, I know I use a, a lot of scripture here. I think that's, that's important, so that's why I started putting it on the board. So your fingers don't get tired. But Philippians 4, 6, and 7 talks about there is a piece that doesn't make sense. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying here is that this is a peace that doesn't make sense. See, it would make sense if I'm sitting in the mountains of Colorado and I have no, no phone, no TV, no anything. I mean, that would actually drive me up the wall. But, <laughs> but you can picture that kind of peace, right? For a few moments, I'll, I'll, I'll feel peace. Then I'll wonder where my cell phone is. Okay, but that's not the peace it's talking about. That's a manufactured peace. We can manufacture peace in our lives. We can pull away from stresses. And we can manufacture peace in our lives. That's not what it's talking about here because in Philippians 4, 7, it says this is a peace that doesn't make sense. This is a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is a peace that happens when you've got ten kids swirling around you. When you've got bill collectors calling. When you've got people coming to say, hey, you know, I think... I think something just happened to your car out in the parking lot. Okay, this is a peace that exists regardless of your circumstances. 
So we're not talking about a normal peace. We're not talking about something that we normally think of. This peace is to guard our hearts against the enemy. That's why it's a personal thing. That's why it's something that cannot be manufactured by us. Because if we manufacture our own peace, those little peace walls that we put around us are nothing for the enemy to break. You know, I'm sitting in the mountain cabin in Colorado, and it's so peaceful. Then all of a sudden a tree falls on the house. (laughs) Not so peaceful anymore, is it? See, Satan can invade that kind of peace. He can invade that manufactured peace. What he can't invade is the peace given by God. Because that peace doesn't make sense. That's a peace that we have nothing to do with except putting it on. Much like all of the other pieces of the armor. If you, if you see so far, all of these are manufactured by him. Our only job, if you will, is to put it on. It, which entails a few things, and we've talked about those. But it's nothing we do ourselves. It's something he does through us. What is this peace? Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. What is this peace? Well, Ephesians chapter 2 says Jesus Christ himself is this peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, and this is where it's, in this, in this area, in this passage, it's talking about being one in Christ, and it's, it's just so you get a little backstory, it's referring to, uh, Paul is talking about the, the Gentiles versus the Israelites, okay? And he's talking about them coming together as one. So, again, verse uh, 14 of Ephesians 2 says this, For he himself, meaning Jesus Christ, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Let me stop there a second. What he's saying here is that the Gentiles, which, by the way, the Gentiles were anybody but an Israelite. So when you're talking about the Gentiles and Israel, you're talking about the world. You're talking about everybody. What he's saying is they've been made into one. Through peace, through the peace of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the peace. And it happened through the fulfillment of the law and the ordinances is what it's saying here. The word abolishing there, by the way, is not done away with. It is fulfillment. Okay? I want you to understand that concept. God did not get rid of the law. He could not have done that because of the covenant. He had to fulfill the law. Okay? So, uh, again, middle of verse 15, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So instead of having Gentiles and Israelites, he created one new person, if you will. One new entity, one new type, ending so making peace. He made peace between the two. Now back then, there was no peace 
There was no religious peace between an Israelite and a Gentile. From an Israelite's perspective, the Gentiles were ungodly. They were not, and by, and by the way, that was from God's perspective too. Before Jesus Christ died and fulfilled the law. So there was a great divide between Israel and the Gentile nations. And so from the peace that was, or that is Jesus Christ, he brought the two together and he, he made them unified. That's the body of Christ. That's what we are. That's the church. That is who he brought together in peace. Christ himself established peace. Because as it says there in verse 15, or or I'm sorry, in verse 14, that Christ is our peace. Now this peace has power. This peace has incredible power. In fact, this peace crushes evil. It does it today, and we're going to see it in the future when it's completed, when it completely crushes evil. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, verse 20, says this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now what it's talking about there is a final crushing. That is the hope of a Christian. That is the hope that we have that one day Jesus Christ, the peace in who he is, will crush the very enemy that we need this armor for. He will crush the very enemy that gets in our way of joy, of love, of peace, right? He will crush that. Now, until that day comes, he defeats it. That's why he gives us armor. If he were to crush the enemy today, we wouldn't even need the armor. But we also wouldn't have the opportunity to grow in him, to grow our personal walk in Jesus Christ. It's an interesting analogy that something peaceful is aggressive toward toward evil. You know, it doesn't say his power will defeat the enemy. Because that that would make sense, right? The power of Jesus Christ defeats the power of Satan. It's not what it says. It says the peace, who is Jesus Christ, defeats the enemy. It's the purity of Christ's love. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about love being above all. Right? And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. In fact, it's the one thing that's above faith. That one blew my mind. I didn't think there was anything above faith. But read 1 Corinthians 13. Love is above faith. It's this love produced through Jesus Christ that results in this peace. He is the peace. That's what defeats the enemy. That's what eventually will crush the enemy. It's not power. It's not peace through strength. I don't want to get political or anything because I actually believe in that, but that's not how God's going to do it. 
He does it through peace. His peace. Who he is. How do we get this gospel of peace? Okay, we're getting a a little bit of an understanding of what the gospel of peace is. And certainly the power of it. The power of Jesus Christ as peace. We're getting a glimpse of that power. Of what that peace is. How do we get the gospel of peace? How do we put it on? How do we take this this piece of armor and put it on? We are given peace when we are justified. Okay, this is the point of salvation. When you get saved, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as Savior, that is your moment of justification. You will have only one of those in your entire life because that's all it took. When you are justified one time, when you accept Christ, when you invite him into your heart and the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in you, that is your moment of justification before the Father. From that moment on, the Father will see you as righteous. We talked about that last week, right? From that moment on. So that is the, the moment that we are given peace. We are given this peace of Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 5. And we're going to read verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, okay, that's when we accept Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Immediately we have peace with the Father. Okay, now I want to draw a correlation here. This is not talking about the peace that you have in your life that keeps you from going crazy. (laughs) When we put on the, the shoes that are readied by peace, okay, that's not what he's saying here. You're justified, you're saved, now automatically you get this piece of armor. If that were the case, he wouldn't tell us to put it on, because it'd already be on. You know, many of the, all of the pieces of armor are that way. These are not things that you automatically get when you're saved. What you get is the opportunity to put them on. Because before salvation, before you are justified before the Father, you don't even have that capability. You don't even have the opportunity to put on the armor of God. You are open to the enemy doing whatever he wants although you're probably in a place that he wants you anyways. But see, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, everything changes. Now a whole world of things open up to you in the spiritual realm. It opens up to you this opportunity to put on the defenses. Because Why? Because before you're saved, Satan really doesn't care. He has the victory over you because you don't have Jesus Christ in your life. You don't have the Holy Spirit in your heart. So he's already got victory. But what happens when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, it flip-flops. Now all of a sudden, Satan becomes our enemy. We are a target for him. So that's why God gave us these pieces of armor to put on because he knew we would be a target. We would be a target of Satan. So we're given 
opportunity of peace upon our justification, our salvation. Now, we are given a level of peace, the peace of God. You know, God the Father, remember, sees us as righteous. We are given a level of peace in his kingdom right then. And what it really comes to is an opportunity to bring peace into our lives on a daily basis. Having this peace doesn't mean we allow it to function in us. And God did an amazing thing, and I have been, I've been really mulling this over for the last few weeks because trying to understand the enemy, trying to understand, you know, where he comes at us from, his power, and all of that. It's just interesting to me that God chose to give us free will. He did it because of love. He did it because he wanted love. He could not love us, and he could not receive love back unless it was a choice. It was something we could choose to do. Now, we, th- we, we understand that. We've heard that before. We understand that in terms of our salvation. That, that yeah, I, I had free choice to choose Christ or not choose Christ. You know, but with God, he couldn't separate the, the single choice and the rest of our lives. He either had to choose to give us choice or not. So we not only had a choice to accept Jesus Christ and let him come into our lives, but now we have a choice to follow him. We have a choice to take on the pieces of armor. We have a choice to choose him or choose whatever we want. It doesn't change our justification. It doesn't change our salvation. I pointed it out last week. I'll point it out again. Ephesians 1.13 and 14 is a really important set of verses to write down for the, the permanency of your salvation. But it was because he loved us that he gave us free will, that he gave us choice. So by that choice, he knew that the enemy would be able to access us, would be able to go after us. So that's why he put together these pieces of armor that we can take on, that we can take on his protection so that we can have peace. That peace that doesn't make sense. When you have everything swirling around you and you're just sitting there in peace, Because you know God is in control of every single bit. Why? Because I gave him control. Get that. Because that's important. Because he gave us free will, he is not going to usurp his will into our lives. You have a choice, just like you did for salvation. You have a choice to let him work his will in your life. If you don't feel that peace, if you don't feel that peace that doesn't make sense, then that's something you want to look at. Am I placing my own will into the situation? Because I'm not, I'm not getting the peace here. Now, by the way, 
I'm not talking about frustration. I'm not talking about when you have the peace, you never get angry, you never get frustrated, you never wonder, Lord, where are you? It's not that at all. As a matter of fact, when he is silent, you're going to wonder a lot. Lord, where are you? What, what, what am I doing wrong? Am, am, am I trying to take my will into the, you know, put my will into the situation? Are you, what am I doing? What am I doing with it? But then the peace can come over you. No. It's really about his timing, not about my own. It's about what he wants to do, not what I want to do. And if I keep my heart pressed on the fact that I want your will, God, then he gives that peace. But just as it says it's a piece of armor, it's not automatically put on. And by the way, once it's put on, what does a Roman soldier do at the end of the day? You know, well, we hope that they shower at some point, right? They're probably not going to go shower in their armor, you know. It comes on, it comes off. Okay? And the point that I'm saying there is that sometimes we let it come off. Doesn't mean that it has to come off. I don't mean that. Don't, don't, don't use that as example with the Roman soldier. <laughs> we could just smell the rest of our lives. You just don't take it off. No, it comes off sometimes. Because we live in this fleshly body. We live in a finite mind, a finite heart. And we're incapable of perfection. So we're going to lose these pieces of armor. That's why we put them on. That's why we pay attention to them. You know, sometimes you drop your sword. You've got to pay attention when you drop it. You know, sometimes the, the belt loosens and it drops. You've got to pay attention to when that happens. When these, when these pieces of armor start to fall, you pay attention and you strengthen them up. So again, this, this piece is something, having it doesn't mean we always allow it to function in us. It's a choice that we make. Allowing it to rest on us is a result of mixing together very special ingredients. I want you to turn to Colossians, chapter 3. Getting his peace to rest on us is a mix of some very special ingredients. And, and any of you who are cooks in here know that you have to use the right ingredients to get the right result, Right? By the way, any really good cooks in here, you can let me know who you are and we'll talk. But, so. yeah. <laughs> but it takes special ingredients and the right mixture of those to allow his rest to come upon us. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15 say this. Put on then as God cho- God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. And these are the ingredients. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, we talked about earlier, put on love which binds everything together 
in perfect harmony. When that is done, okay, you can picture a soup, a a perfect soup where you put the ingredients in, right? And the love is the broth. The, The love is what brings it all together. The love is what makes it all worthwhile. What makes it effective. Love being the most important. When you get these right ingredients together, then verse 15 happens. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. So there is a a recipe to getting this peace. Again, compassionate hearts. Do we have compassion toward others? Kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. It's really important to understand it's not in a false way, because you can fake all of those things. You can have fake meekness. You can have fake humility. You can be fake in these areas, and you might even fool some people. But you don't fool God. If you really want the peace in your life, then those ingredients are going to be real. They're going to come from your heart. That's the important part of it. Now, we want this peace to be ongoing, right? We don't want it to, oh, I had a good day today, and then the next day just be bad. You want this peace to be continual. Well, to have continual peace, you have to seek the Holy Spirit. You can't just get it once, and I knew I got it that one time, I know how to do it, and now I'll keep it. God doesn't work that way. By the way, a relationship doesn't work that way. For those of you who are married, you know that. If you don't go after that relationship every day, you're going to find you're going to have problems. You have to go after that relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit every day. Every single day you put on this piece of armor. Every single day you go after your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not something that I could do today and then, and then you know, I can do it again next Sunday. So I'm, I'm hitting the high points and it'll last a few days. And, and then, oh boy, by the weekend I really need it again. That you're missing it. And by the way, there's no judgment on that. It it hurts you. Because then you don't have this peace that doesn't make sense. You don't have this joy that comes so deep within, you don't even know where it came from. Except to know that it was of the Lord. And it doesn't matter the age you are either. Because God offers this relationship from the point of justification. Every one of these things is available no matter what your age. No matter what your personality. No matter what your giftings. No matter what you're good at and what you're not good at. None of that matters because God works with the individual. Every single person in here having a relationship with Jesus Christ has access to the very things I'm talking about. And they have access every day. But quite frankly, the enemy is choice. Because they're all available to you, because you were given a choice to take them on or not, 
That's where the rub lies. That's where the friction lies. That's where the difficulty lies because we fight ourselves. You know, we wake up in the morning and I'm running late. You know, last thing I want to do is open my Bible and, and let the Lord fill me. Or, or maybe got up this morning, got a bad phone call and, you know, something happened with a friend or, or, or with my spouse or, or work or whatever and I'm just starting off bad. So I'll, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll put the armor on tomorrow. Don't fool yourself. You'll pay a price for that. You'll pay a price because you won't have that peace. You won't have the knowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ is right there with you through his spirit. So we're to seek the spirit every single day to have continual peace. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, talk about this concept of seeking it through the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, we'll start at verse 5, says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. You have two choices here. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? It's death. It's destruction. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and what? And peace. We have to set our mind on the Spirit of Jesus Christ to attain that peace. By the way, it's setting our mind on the things of the Holy Spirit that allow us to do those ingredients we talked about a few few minutes ago. You know, to love people, to forgive people, to be patient with people, to have humility in our life, meekness in our lives. You have to be seeking the Holy Spirit for that to be real. You could do it in, like we said before, you could do it in your own flesh, and it's not real. And you might fool yourself and fool some other people for a while, but it's not real. It's not lasting. You have to seek the Holy Spirit in these things for it to be real, it to be lasting, and you to have a peace in it. The Holy Spirit must have a part in this plan. So we have a choice what we set our minds on. The Holy Spirit, right? Or the things of the flesh. It's this constant choice. It's not the choice we make when we get saved. Because when we get saved, we choose Christ. And what happens three weeks later when we find ourselves doing something that we thought we were saved and now we won't do anymore? No, we we have continual choices. Now, the salvation, the justification, once that's done, it's done. It's sealed. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. It will never come up again. doesn't mean our walk is perfect after that. It doesn't mean we could just coast now until the Lord takes us home. Because what he wants in us is this relationship. Remember, God did this for love. Not just that one-time love of, oh, he chose me, now he's on my team. No, when we're on his team, he wants a relationship. He wants, he loves us and wants us to love him. He wants to feel that love. He wants it to be interactive. 
He wants it to be daily. It is precious to him. It is the most important thing to him. You know, as you read 1 Corinthians 13, there's nothing greater than love. Do you understand that there's nothing greater for the Father to receive than love? What's the number one commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind. He wants love. You can't get continual love without a relationship. You can't give continual love without a relationship. That's why the relationship is critical. Peace is found where? We don't see peace here. You can't see this tangible peace. Because it's tangible, something that I can take from someone or give to someone, doesn't mean I can see it. Right? It's found in the kingdom of God. This peace that we go after, this peace that we crave in our lives, this peace that we can give to other people is seen in the kingdom of God. Turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 verse 17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We find peace when we seek His kingdom. You know, that's partly why Matthew, in Matthew 6.33 said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these other things that you need are going to be given to you. Don't worry about those things. Worry about seeking His kingdom. Now, I always find it interesting that it, it doesn't say, Seek first God and His righteousness. See, we can't begin to find God in our daily walk. We can't begin to find God in our relationships if we're not looking for Him where He is. He is in His kingdom. This is this kingdom we can't see. Now remember, it's that same area that we can't see that we also find the enemy. It's important to understand there is a whole world we're not aware of. You know, without getting into the science of it, we live in four dimensions. We live in length, width, height, and time. All of those dimensions encompass who we are. That's all we understand. But do you know God is outside of that? God's kingdom is outside of that. And Matthew 6.33 wouldn't tell us to look for it if we couldn't find it. You can find the kingdom of God. You can see the enemy who is out there. We can be ready, we can be weary of this, or ready for this enemy. We can know that he's coming, we can see the realm in which he operates. Because we're to seek Christ in that same realm. And we seek him... Because that's where his peace is found. His peace isn't found in my morning cup of coffee and my physical sitting down and just getting some alone time. If I'm not seeking his kingdom in that alone time, if I am not pursuing him where he is, then I'm missing it. Because he's found in his kingdom. So why shoes? 
we're talking about this, this, uh, um, these pieces of armor that we put on. Why did God decide to make shoes about the piece? Why shoes? Now, like I said at the beginning, you know, I don't even in summertime, half the time I don't wear shoes. So why shoes? Why, why were shoes so important even to the Roman soldier? Why does God represent shoes as the gospel of peace? It's because we are not to make any moves without that peace. Do you understand that what you choose to do in your life, when you seek Jesus Christ's will for your life, you are not to make a move without having this armor on. Because if you do, you're vulnerable. If I'm standing where I am right now, I, I, I know I'm safe. If I didn't have my shoes on, I, I know I'm safe. I, you know, I'm not standing on anything that's going to hurt me. But the second I make a step, I don't know anymore. And remember a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about running, not walking in our walk with Christ, but running, then you know even less. If you're running really hard and you're barefoot, you're, you're really taking some chances. Even if you're running on the beach thinking it's all sand. Ouch, just stepped on a shell. You know, whatever. You have no protection. When you make a move and you don't have the shoes of peace on as that piece of armor, you are making yourself vulnerable to defeat by the enemy. That's why he made the shoes the peace. If you're just going to stay in one spot, you don't need the peace. You just stand there, you're not going to accomplish a whole lot. You're not going to get a whole lot done. You're probably not going to have a lot of happiness. You're not going to have much joy. But you'll be safe. But to step out is stepping out of our comfort zone. We, we say that a lot. If you want God to work in your life, you step out of your comfort zone. And you can make that choice at any point in your life. Lord, I'm, I'm stagnant where I'm at. He's saying, yeah, I know. Step out of your comfort zone. Do something where you have to trust me. Not trust in your own capability. Well, when you step out of your comfort zone and you trust him, you better have put on your shoes. Because now, if you have your shoes on, and you're taking that step, and now you're running in a direction that he tells you to run, you know your feet are safe. Because if you injure your feet, you're in trouble. Now, I know some of you have experience fighting overseas. I know Al was in Vietnam. Okay, over there, you know, I wasn't there, I, I was told, you've got to take care of your feet. Your feet are critical. You know, ground troops, your feet are the most important thing. If your feet go, you're done. Because you can't go anywhere. They're to be protected. They're to be cared for. That peace that you bring on to protect the very thing that moves you through your Christian life has to be cared for, has to be taken care of, has to be looked at every day. Taken care of every single day. Because otherwise we're vulnerable. 
If you're in the jungles of Vietnam and you had to take your shoes off and you had to move about the jungle, you're vulnerable. You're in trouble. You know, it's no different in life. If you have to take off the protection of peace that protects you in the directions you're moving, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to the enemy, and he'll see it. He'll see that you're moving in a direction that God didn't tell you to move, so you left your peace back there. Okay, I could go after that person. I see a vulnerable spot. I could go after him. He sees that. So what we do is we have to have that peace on, put on those shoes before we make that step. Why is this important? I find it interesting because the very purpose that we're here, you know, aside from building a relationship with Jesus Christ, is to spread the gospel. To spread this gospel throughout the world. You can't do that without the peace of God. Whether it's spreading it right outside this door or spreading it halfway around the world. If you don't have the peace of God, that piece of armor daily that you put on, you can't walk those directions. You can't have any effectiveness. You're vulnerable. But yet, think of the power. If you put on those shoes, you put on that piece of armor that protects your feet, which is protecting the very movement that you do, the very direction that you go. The Lord has sent you somewhere. You know He has sent you somewhere. You put on this, these shoes of peace that give you this peace that doesn't make sense. Then you can run. Then you could go in a direction, and, and Satan's going to fight you, right? He's going to fight you all the way. But it doesn't matter. I don't have to look to the left or the right, because I know I have my protection on. He can't get me. Because I have been given a call by the Father. I see the goal on the horizon. I'm running toward that goal. All I have to worry about is my direction and my armor. Because if I'm putting on my armor, that means I'm listening to the Lord. And He will direct my paths. He will do what He wants to do in my life. When you think about that, the Christian walk really boils down to some very simple thoughts. It's not complicated. We complicate it because we throw our will in there. It doesn't have to be complicated. You trust Him. You let Him begin to teach you His Word. And when you see these things that He gives you, activate them. We're going through the armor. Activate it. Try it. Use it. It's going to protect you. Don't try it once in a week Come back and say, well, you know, it, it started to work, but then it didn't work. Yeah. Because we got to keep it on there. When it loosens up, you ever have shoes that loosen up? Oh, you know, the shoestrings came untied. It started to loosen up. Can't run anymore. 
got to tighten it up. It's the same with every piece of armor. That is our walk with God. You start to feel like you're drifting away from Him. Tighten up your walk. It doesn't mean, by the way, okay, I'll just not sin this week. (laughs) You're putting the cart before the horse. You want to stop sinning this week. You want to stop having some of these problems. Seek Him. Seek Him in His kingdom. Go after your relationship with Him. Let Him do the hard work. The hard work is getting rid of sin in our lives. That's the hard work. You could take that on yourself and you could get all frustrated. Because you cannot remove that. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, you have no power toward the enemy. At all. It has to be Him. But if you draw close to Him in your relationship, and that's the most important thing to you, if the time you spend in prayer, the time you spend in the Word of God, the time you think about Him is the number one priority to you, then you know what? He puts on these pieces of armor. He puts on your shoes. He ties them tight. Anything loosens up, He tightens it down. You get a broken link in this chain, He replaces it. He fixes it. If you keep your eyes on Him, seeking Him in His kingdom, He does the real work. Shoes of peace are the armor protecting the spread of the gospel. As we said, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 say this. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And this is the piece. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, which is the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who share Christ. By the way, that's not just preachers. That is every person who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know you're sent? If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are sent into the world to preach the gospel. Even if you think you're not a preacher. I certainly didn't. But you're sent. And God puts people in your path, in your life, that he intends for you to share the gospel with. How beautiful are your feet. Because they get you to those people. If we didn't have a, a, a mode of moving, if, we, if none of us had feet, no wheelchair, no anything that we could move, we would all just stay right here. Until someone picked us up and moved us somewhere else. God gave us this way of being mobile. He gave us these feet, and he expects us to move. Beautiful are the feet of those who go and preach the gospel. When you go to work tomorrow, when you go wherever you go tomorrow, 
You're to preach. You're to share. You're to let the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ exude from you. How beautiful are your feet when you do that? That's a blessing. That's why the feet are so important. That's why the peace of God must be there before you step. It's that one piece of armor that gives you confidence in the direction you're going. And you can have confidence in a direction without even knowing the exact direction. You, you can maybe see the horizon and, and then go through periods where, where the Lord doesn't engage, it seems. But you can still have peace because you know he gave you that horizon. He directed you to go that direction. He didn't lay out the whole map, which is, I think, one of the first things I want to ask him when I get up there. <laughs> that would have been really nice to, just to have that map. But you know what? I wouldn't have sought him as hard as I do if I had that map. Because then I would just trust the map. Instead, he gives us a rule book. He gives us a guide. He gives us an instruction manual on how to trust him. He, he's really the map guy. If I'm driving, if I'm racing down, down in the Baja 1000, you have a driver and you have a navigator, right? Okay, this driver, all he's there to do is drive, he or she. All they're, do, all they're there to do is drive. They drive. They watch for the obstacles. They avoid the obstacles. They see the challenges coming. They take on the challenges, but according to the navigator. They listen intently to whatever that navigator is telling them. You know, you've got a shortcut coming up here. Take a left. Well, everybody's taking a right. No, trust me. I'm looking at the map right here. I see the map. Okay, this is God. God sees the map of your life. He's looking at the map and he sees, you know, if we go this way, we, we can make up 25 minutes. If we go this way, I know there's going to be obstacles. I know it's going to be tough. Trust me. I'll guide you through it. I won't just say, take that left-hand turn and, hey, good luck, I'll, I'll meet you on the other side. He's not going to do that. He's looking intently at the map. He's looking at the map of your life and saying, okay, speed up here. Okay, slow down here. But until he says the next thing, hang on his last words. Stay with his last words until he tells you something different. And that's the tough part. Because that's where he's silent. Because he doesn't need to tell you anymore. He wants you to trust what he's saying. Stay straight. Hit about 80 miles an hour. I'll get back to you. <laughs> okay. That can be tough. That can be tough because you see all these obstacles coming up, and <clears throat> they're starting to come up fast. And is he napping over there? I haven't heard from him. No, he's calculating. You know, he's sending out his warriors to fight the enemy to keep your path straight. And he's not doing it just, we'll see how they react to this. He is fighting a battle. Why? He's God. Why does God have to fight a battle? Because he chose to. 
Why do bad things happen? You know, God, why did God let this happen? You hear those kind of questions all the time. It's because he chose love. When he chose love, he chose a battle. When he chose love, he gave us free will. When we had free will, we make bad choices sometimes. Those bad choices, there are consequences to those bad choices. Don't hang that on God. That's not on God. But it was more important to God to have love. To feel love. To be loved. To be able to love you. That he let the enemy have a certain amount of control. Think about that. The enemy was given dominion over the earth where we live. The enemy was given that dominion. Well, that, that's kind of a rotten God to do that. Why did he do that? Why did he give him any control? Because he loves us. Because he didn't want us to be puppets. Because he wanted real love from us. See, it was a choice he had to make. Because love is not manufactured. Love cannot be forced. Love is a real gut reaction. It's a real gut choice. It's a choice you make every day in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Those are the things, and that's the world that we have to operate in. That's why faith is so important to him. Because it takes faith to navigate through the, those waters. It takes faith for a driver to trust what the navigator is saying. Are you sure take a left here? Man, there's a lot of scrub. I don't even see a road. Yeah, just trust me. We've got a good car. You've got to have faith. You've got to trust him. He, if you have faith, he, I, I guarantee you, he is going to take you some places that are going to blow you away. We're going to be some places this year. I'm going to be in Nigeria within the next couple of months. Never thought I'd be there. And what's more than that is we're going to build a work there. So some of you are going to be there. He's going to take you places that you never dreamed. I promise. If you trust him, and, and it doesn't matter your age. I don't care if you're almost 100 years old. If you can walk, if you can talk, if you could do something, step out of your comfort zone and let him do it. Because he can do anything. And he is going to do it through you because he doesn't do it on his own. He will find someone to do it through. That was the way he set this whole thing up. He, he works through people. He doesn't just do it on his own. Again, it all goes back to that love. Right? For the sake of love. So put on those shoes, that piece of armor that is the peace of God. That's critical. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this piece of armor. 